Welcome to the Crystal Payne Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am so honored that you would take time out of your full life to tune into this show. Truly, I have gotten so many comments and emails and messages about this podcast over the last few weeks, and it has blessed me so much. Even those of you who have taken time to send in constructive criticism, I appreciate all of it. Because you see, after dreaming of having my own podcast for over four years, it feels really surreal that that dream has come true and that so many of you have taken the time to tune in, subscribe to the show, tell your friends, and leave reviews. Thank you so much. On today's show, I want to tell you about an app that I use and love to earn free gift cards. I mean, who doesn't like free? I'll also be telling you about some of the guidelines we put into place for our daughter, Catherine, and her phone usage, since this is something a lot of you have asked about. And I'm going to tell you about a book that challenged me in the area of friendships. Plus, since you know how much I love books and reading, I'm bringing on my friend, Ann Bogle, and we'll be talking about how busy women can find time to read. And then I'll be closing out the show answering a question I was recently asked on morning routines. So let's dive right into our first segment on what's saving my life. This is the part of the show where I talk about something that is making my life easier, better, or more productive. And today, I want to tell you about the Fetch Rewards app. The Fetch Rewards app is an app that allows you to earn free gift cards to Amazon, Panera, Barnes & Noble, and so much more just for scanning your grocery receipts. That's right. All you have to do is open up the app and literally take a picture of your grocery store receipt, hit submit, and you get points. And then you can cash in these points for fantastic gift cards, and this can help you stretch your budget just a little further or be able to afford some fun splurges. Now, some things you might want to know about this app. You can scan any grocery store receipt. That includes receipts from Aldi and Dollar Tree. You can scan up to 14 receipts per week. This is great because if you're like me and you make multiple grocery shopping trips in a week, You can save your receipts and then scan them in all at once to save time. And you have up to 14 days to scan in your receipt from the day you went shopping. You also earn points on every receipt. So while they have various items you can purchase to earn bonus points, no matter what you bought, if you scan your receipt, you will get some points just for scanning your receipt. And you don't have to mess with scanning barcodes. If you've downloaded other apps like Checkout 51 or Ibotta, a lot of times they will ask you to scan the barcode of the item that you purchased. But with Fetch, all you do is just open up the app, take a picture of your receipt, and click Submit. It's so easy. Plus, you earn bonus points for referring people. So Fetch has this great referral program that you can earn 2,000 bonus points for every person you refer who signs up with your code and then scans a receipt. And they will also get 2,000 points as well. So it's a win-win. 
One of the things that I love about Fetch is that you don't have to earn a minimum before cashing out. So you don't have to wait until you've hit a $25 payout with Fetch Rewards. As soon as you have 3,000 points, that's the equivalent of $3, you can request a $3 Amazon, Panera, or Target gift card. And when you hit 5,000 points, there are over 50 gift card rewards to choose from. Another cool thing is that you get the gift cards almost immediately. When you request a gift card, they email it to you usually within minutes. So I love this because it's not like you have to wait for seven days for it to come in your email inbox. To get started with Fetch Rewards, just search for the Fetch Rewards app. And then when you're downloading it, use my referral code WW7XJ and you'll get a bonus 2,000 points worth $2. And of course, we'll have a link to this in the show notes. Speaking of technology, in earlier episodes, I shared with you all how we got a phone for our oldest daughter when she was 12. And a number of you ask if we have any guidelines for phone usage for her since she's just 13 right now. Yes, we totally do, because I think it's very important as parents that you educate yourself on the apps that are out there, especially the apps that are popular with teens. Sadly, many of them are apps that just provide places for kids to be bullied because people can post anonymously, or they also provide an easy way for kids to be preyed on, or they just open up the door to detrimental things that many young teens do not have the backbone to handle. Because of this, we've decided to not only educate Catherine on the issues and dangers that are prevalent with anonymous apps, we talk about the online bullying and we discuss things to be careful of online. In the next episode, I'll share more of the specific guidelines we have in place that we've decided on together with Catherine for her phone usage. But if you're a parent who you're saying, I just don't even know where to start. I need some direction. There is a book called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch that might be a great resource to start with. Now, if you're looking at purchasing a phone for your child or teenager, I highly recommend checking out this episode's sponsor, Twigby. They are a company that offer amazing deals on phone plans. What I love about Twigby is that the site is so easy to use. You can go on and pick exactly what you want. And you just pay for what you want to use instead of being locked into needing to pay for a lot of bells and whistles on a phone. Plus, you can update your phone plan anytime you'd like, whenever your needs change. Twigby uses two different networks that are the nation's largest networks, by the way. They use these for talk and text, and this double coverage provides a lot of peace of mind for parents because you know that you will always be able to get in touch with your child. Best of all, Twigby offers basic phones that aren't smartphones, which might be a great option to consider for your child's first phone. This means you can get a hold of your child or they can get a hold of you, but they don't have data or internet access on their phone. Twigby also has many options for smartphones at great prices, and parents, you'll love this. You do not have to have a data plan. That's right. With Twigby, you can choose to use only Wi-Fi for data. Oh, and if you happen to have an old phone on hand, you might be able to use it with a Twigby plan, which will save you even more money because you won't have to purchase a phone. By the way, did I mention that Twigby offers phone plans that start as low as $9 per month? Yes, for real. You can head over to twigby.net forward slash tween to check out their phone plans and take advantage of an offer to save 25% off the first six months of your phone plan, making this a steal of a deal. 
That's twigby.net forward slash tween. Twigby is T-W-I-G-B-Y dot net forward slash tween. And of course, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. A big thank you to Twigby for sponsoring today's episode. This week's book pick is the book Imperfect Courage by Jessica Honegger. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. That's just my best guess. I picked up Imperfect Courage based upon the recommendation of a few people I trust. And I almost didn't read past the first few chapters because I had trouble following them and I felt like they sort of skipped around too much in her story. But I kept reading and I'm so glad I did because the second half of the book is so good. I loved her thoughts on friendship and community and how to live out love to others, even when things are messy and hard. If you struggle with finding and building community, I think these chapters are so worth reading. So again, that was Imperfect Courage by Jessica Honegger, and of course, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. I can't even remember for sure just how I first connected with Anne. She might know, but she feels like one of those people I've just known forever online. I do know that I think the first time we met in person was at a homeschool conference, and I remember thinking then how insightful and intentional she was. Since then, Anne has become a well-known name in the blogosphere and in the podcast world, and I have loved seeing her handle this explosion of growth with such grace and humility. Anne is a lifelong lover of good books, and she is a literary matchmaker, not only on her podcast, but also in real life. You see, a number of times she has dropped me an email to suggest a book I should read, and pretty much every time she's right on. It's a book that I have loved. So as a fellow book lover, having a trusted friend think of you when they read a book and then take the time to send you a quick email to recommend it is basically the best thing ever. Anne has written two books, both that I have enjoyed and would highly recommend. Her first book, called Reading People, is all about personality types. And if you are anything like me and completely geek out on that sort of thing, you must read her book, Reading People. It's actually the book that introduced me to the concept of highly sensitive people and basically rocked my world when I realized that I was very, very, as they call it, HSP. And I would really love to do a podcast on that topic in the not-too-distant future. But for today, we're going to talk about reading because her second book is called I'd Rather Be Reading. And it's a short book of essays on the delights and dilemmas of the reading life. If you're a reader, I think you will absolutely love it. Or it would be a great book to give as a gift to a reader in your life. So I'm so honored that Anne is joining me today to talk all things reading. So welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you for having me. So anyone who reads your blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, or listens to your podcast, What Should I Read Next, or has read your recent book, I'd Rather Be Reading, knows you are an avid reader and an avid lover of books. And I talk to so many women who they, they really want to be reading more but they struggle to find the time. And I'm sure you have heard this as well. And so I would love for you to just jump right in with sharing your top tips for moms and busy women who want to find more time to read. Of course. First of all, if this is you, you are not alone. I hear this over and over from everyone that they want to read, but they don't have the time. How, how can they make it? So 
If you want to read more, you need both good books and time to read them. And I think a lot of people never think about the good books part of the equation. If you don't have something that you are excited to read, you will not be motivated to make the time to read. So that is your first step and never leave home without it. At my house, we never leave home without a book and a snack. I think that is great life advice, especially for someone who wants to read more. Then you need to schedule it. If you decide like, hey, I'm going to read when the kids go to bed, or I'm going to read in the carpool line, then you know that's your plan. You don't need to think about when you're going to read is just set. For some people, that's too much. They don't feel like they can schedule a dedicated time to read. And to them, I suggest that they read in the cracks. If you have that book in your purse or on your phone, we all have moments in line at the bank or the grocery store, or again, the carpool line or the doctor's office where you have five, sometimes 30 minutes at the doctor's office to read. Be ready to go and don't be afraid to open a book instead of Instagram. You'll be surprised how it adds up. And finally, I would say, write it down. Many of us tell ourselves stories about what our reading life is like. That's completely detached from reality. If you write down what you're reading, you can see very clearly that actually I'm not doing so bad or actually I haven't finished a book since June. And that reality really helps us change our behavior to come more in line with what we want from ourselves. That is so good. And so I have a question for knowing that you're excited about a book. You just have this shelf of books or you go to the library, you go to the bookstore. Where do you even start if you don't know? Ooh, Okay. That is a really good question, Crystal. Here's what I found. And this is good news and bad news. People who are really happy with their reading lives, who have vibrant reading lives, have this whole set of skills that they built up, often without even realizing it, that lets them really enjoy that life. Because finding what to read can really be a struggle until you develop the skill of doing that for yourself. My best advice is to find a source where you see an overlap between what you know you like and what this person likes. And when I say person, this could be an Instagram account, a Twitter account, a local librarian, a certain staff member at the bookstore where you can walk in and look at their staff picks. It can be a blog like Modern Mrs. Darcy, or you share book recs all the time. Just find something you can latch onto and then pay attention to those suggestions. That's my best bit of advice. Because if you just read what you see the pretty covers of on Instagram, and honestly, I do this too. I add books to my list because they look gorgeous, and but I don't know the source. And that can lead you astray. But take a suggestion, whether it's from a real person or an internet source to heart, and give it a try. That's so good. One thing that I find to be really helpful is I just keep a running list on Amazon. I just I put it in my cart to save it for later. And then I also find, so if I hear somebody suggesting a book on a podcast or I see it on Instagram or whatever, I just put it there so that I won't forget. There's probably some much more organized, sophisticated system. That's what works for me. And I also find that when I'm on Amazon, Amazon does such a great job of recommending other books that I might be interested in. And so when I add one to my cart, then it'll say, you also might like. And so then I go look at the description of those and the reviews of those. And that's where I get a lot of great ideas as well. So if someone is just struggling to know where to start or people ask me all the time, how do you figure out what to read? And I'm just like, um, I never have that problem, but I think it's, you're, you're right. It's a skill that you develop. So. I think that's a really smart place to start, but also something you're doing there. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put this out there, but you're also buying what publishers are paying money to have put in front of you. So that's a great place to start, but I think you'll be happier with with your suggestions if you take it a step further and and seek out a source that is choosing based on what they love and not just Mm -hmm. what they're getting paid to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and so like, you know, I talked about you suggesting books and I think that's one reason I love to suggest books to people and I love people suggesting books to me. And so just asking people, 
What are you reading or what's the best book you've read this year? I find that I learned so many great book ideas just from asking good questions of other people who read casually or read very avidly. Yes. And you learn so much about them too. So it's a great way to build your reading life and your relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have four kids, you run a blog, you have a podcast, you run a book club membership site, you write and promote your own books, you travel for book related events. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that I don't know that you do. Plus you <laughs> um, have so many other tasks with just involved with living life. And so you also find time to read books, so many books, it seems. And yet you seem so balanced and calm in everything you do. And so I just love to hear your secrets and suggestions for how are you balancing this life that is seems very full? How are you doing this and finding time to read? Well, first of all, thank you for that. Even though I was flying a ton, I don't really love to read on airplanes. Otherwise, I could have read tons of books this fall. I think um, two things. It's a priority. Like It's something I know I need to get done. And I need to get it done in a way a lot of people don't because it is, in a real sense, my job. So just the fact that it's a priority and I am bound to myself in, in a smaller way to other people, make sure it gets done. And there are other ways for people to do this. Like you could go to a book club or do a buddy read with a friend, something that gives you some external accountability. But that's what that accountability looks like in my life. I read in the cracks, like I suggest other people do. Those five and 10 minute moments, they really add up. Like this morning, I finished a chapter while I was waiting for my coffee water to heat. And that is not unusual around here. And finally, I know I have tons of good books that I want to get to. And just seeing the stack on my nightstand and my book cart of priority reads, um, I want to get to them. I want to know what happens in those books, Crystal. And I know I need to keep reading or I'm going to have to wait a year to find out. And I don't want to do that. I find that when I'm traveling, if I'm flying, I get so much more reading done because I'm always reading on the takeoff and landing. And then I work on other things when it's, you know, you can open up your laptop. So what do you do on planes if you're not reading? (laughs) I listen to podcasts and uh, recently it's been watching The Office. I'm an anxious flyer and I just want a little more mental stimulation. I don't know that I can describe it. I just need... I need to overwhelm my senses a little bit more than I can with a book. Oh, I forgot something important. I'm an introvert. So reading is my favorite coping strategy. I know that in order to stay, as you said, balanced and calm, I need to spend some time by myself recharging my batteries. And reading is really one of my favorite ways to do that. So when you are on book tour, then I feel like as an introvert, that would be a lot. And if you weren't getting that time to read, as often, how are you coping with that and handling that well? Uh, Staring out the window (laughs) instead. (laughs) Reading seems like a little much. Um, I love meeting readers and talking to people about books. It is Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. And then afterwards, I need to go flop on the bed and stare at the ceiling for a little while. (laughs) Usually I say I need to read 100 pages, 100 pages per hour to recharge, but book tour is a whole nother level. I would agree with you. I know that when any time that I go speak, I was just speaking at um, something yesterday. And when I got done, it was like, I just need an hour or two of just nothing, just nothing. <laughs> and and reading would be too much because it's just, I, I'm like, my brain is just mush. There's nothing left here. So. <laughs> I hear you. Okay. So this is a totally selfish question, but I have been wanting to ask you this for a very long time and I haven't gotten to see you in person. So since it's my podcast, I get to ask 
totally selfish questions. Um, <laughs> on your podcast, What Should I Read Next? You do this amazing job of what you call literary matchmaking. And it's where you bring someone on and you get to know them and you know what books they like and what they don't like. And then you suggest books that they should read. You know, what should they read next? And I kind of want to pay you to do a session with me so you can match me with good books. But I just am fascinated to know how on earth do you choose these books that you recommend to people? And it seems like it would take so much time to prep this ahead of time. So just can you talk to me about your process? Sure. So every week on the show, a reader tells me three books they love, one book they don't, and what they're reading now. And I recommend three books they may enjoy reading next. And what I found is that when readers really love a book, it's not often the specific plot or setting, but what they really love is the experience of reading that book and the way it made them feel. And they're looking more for that feeling than for that checklist Mm -hmm. of story elements. And so when I'm listening to readers, I'm just thinking about, okay, how did this make you feel? What was the mood? What was the tone? What was the writing style? And what other book might do that for you? And I'm trying to recommend books that you couldn't find in a Google search or that you couldn't find in the same section of the bookstore. Before they come on the show, they do tell me the three books they love and the one book they don't. And then on the podcast, I ask them what they're reading right now. That gives me another data point or three sometimes if they're reading three books at once. And I do get a chance to think about, okay, what do these books have in common? Do they like to read old or new? Is it classic or not? What genre are they in? Uh, Sometimes people's books are all over the place. But Mm -hmm. sometimes when people come on the show and they explain what they love, it surprises me. But just hearing the books in advance, I'm a slow thinker. It gives me time to think about what their reading life might be like in their heads. And then in the conversation, I am often surprised the direction it goes. But it's that feeling that I'm looking for. The podcast is the one place where my I cannot think in a straight line. I'm a terrible linear thinker. But I find that that circular thinking and that ability to make weird connections between seemingly unrelated things for once in my life actually serves me well doing this on the podcast. Yes, because you do such a good job. Because I'll be like, wait, hold up. How did she even put those two things together? I love what you say about how does it make you feel? And I think that that's something as we're reading books to really think about what is the experience and how does it make me feel? So that can help us then know what types of books that we like and knowing when a book makes us feel great or weird or just off or, you know, reflective or contemplative, you know, just, I think that's a really great question to be asking ourselves. How does this book make me feel? I love that. Okay. So here are the two questions that I always ask all my guests. And this is a great question for you. What are you reading right now? Oh, but it has such a weird answer right now, Crystal. (laughs) So weird. So I'm home from book tour. I'm catching up on my stack and through a little bit of coincidence and a little bit of purposeful decision-making. I just read three Pride and Prejudice retellings in a row. Now, I know how you feel about Jane Austen, so this is extra interesting. (laughs) But I don't feel like I'm usually that reader, but I totally am right now. So I read Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal. It's Pride and Prejudice in Contemporary Pakistan. It's super fun. It's a really breezy, lighthearted, comical retelling. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in January 2019. And then I read a Pride and Prejudice remake set in contemporary Brooklyn. It's called Pride. It's by E.B. Zaboy. She's the author of American Street, which is a really popular YA book award Mm -hmm. winner from a couple years ago. So she sets it in, I think it's Bushwick, Brooklyn. And it's 
also very fun, very different, but very fun. And finally, I read a book that was enthusiastically recommended by booksellers at the Story Shop, which is an adorable place in Monroe, Georgia. I went there on a book tour that they said was a completely faithful Pride and Prejudice retelling, but with dragons. And this is also a YA book. It came out last year. It's called Heartstone. It's by L. White. And yeah, I can't describe it better. It's Pride and Prejudice, but fantasy with dragons. So what ended up causing you to read three different Pride and Prejudice type books? (laughs) Okay, because I'm human, like everybody else, my friend tweeted about how, why does everyone have this book early but her? She can't wait to get a copy. Why does she have to wait until January for Unmarriageable? And she tweeted a picture. And I thought, that cover looks familiar. And I went and I found it in my stack of advanced review copies and read it right away. So basically, it was an enthusiastic message from a source I trusted Mm -hmm. that made me bump it to the top of my stack. And I thought, well, I was really looking forward to Pride. Why not read that next? I think these are kind of fun and breezy reads. They aren't super mentally demanding and they feel kind of like comfort reading for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm in a space where I need that right now. So I think I picked up another one. And then I actually started Heartstone on an airplane like six weeks ago. I bought it at the bookstore on book tour and just, I was like, what am I doing reading on an airplane? So I had a bookmark at page 30 and I decided, well, I'm on a roll. I'm going to pick this up and keep going. And the next thing I read, I promise you will have nothing to do with Jane Austen. But it was probably really nice to just come back from book tour and just kind of recharge with these fun, light reading books. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you want to learn something. Sometimes you want to like be moved. And sometimes you just want to read that is entertaining and fun. Mm -hmm. And that's what these three were for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't they were smart, but I was reading them because I just wanted to be entertained in a familiar way. Yes. Okay. And then finally, what is saving your life right now? This could be a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea you're implementing, something that you've changed in your life recently, or just anything that is making your life better, easier, or more enjoyable. Uh, The weather. So I live in Louisville, not too far from you in the Nashville area. And it was so, so hot this summer. So hot that I felt like you just couldn't go outside. And I love to go outside. Like I love to walk to think. And now that it's not summer and it's not 94 degrees and you can actually walk the dog without needing a shower or a parka. um, It's just, I'm enjoying it so much every day. I feel like this time of year, it's just the most invigorating time of year. And you just want to just be outside and look at, are the trees just beautiful where you are? We're right at the beginning of that. So I know that we have another month, six weeks to look forward to. And I'm really relishing being in that space where it's pretty, but it's getting prettier. Yes. And I feel like I was sad because it jumped. It got really cold last week and I just thought, no, 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 no. We have to, <laughs> we have, to have the fall weather. We're not going to go from summer to winter. We're going to have fall. That's my favorite season. So I'm right there with you. Oh, I love it. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I mentioned Anne's books in her podcast, What Should I Read Next? But I also wanted to say to y'all that if you haven't checked out Anne's blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, be sure to do so because she is constantly sharing tidbits of wisdom and insight, many that have had a big impact on me. And then, of course, she often shares great reading picks there as well. Thank you so much. Today's question for the Q&A segment comes from Liz. She asks, what does your morning routine look like to help you have a more peaceful morning? 
Well, Liz, I wish I could tell you that I followed this seven and a half step plan that involves quiet and journaling and green juice and listening to music with a cup of tea or something like that. But the reality is that every day is different around here. Some mornings we leave for school earlier than others. Some mornings my friend Melissa comes over and works out with me at 6.15 a.m. Some mornings Jesse takes the kids to school and I stay home. Some mornings Jesse has discipleship group early in the morning and I take the kids. So yes, unless I were to get up really, really early and sacrifice the sleep that I need, I just have given myself permission in this season of life to not have the same morning routine every morning. Instead, I have some things that I try to do every morning to help my day run more smoothly. Sometimes these all get done in the first two hours. Sometimes, to be really honest, these aren't done until 11 a.m. or later, and that's okay. But let me share with you what these things are. So, number one, I make a time block to-do list the night before. Before I go to bed each night, I write out a time-blocked list for the next day, This way, I wake up with a simple plan and I know that the next day is doable. Number two, I try to get enough sleep. I'm such a big believer in the power of sleep to help you be healthier and more energetic as well as being calm and focused. Thirdly, I drink water when I get up. I used to start my day with coffee, but then believe it or not, I gave up coffee and now I start my day with a big glass of lemon water. Fourth, I try to get in some exercise. I feel so much better when I get in at least a little exercise every morning. Number five, I try to start my day with praying and reading my Bible. I typically run on the treadmill every morning, so when I do my warm-up walk before I run, I read my Bible and I pray over my day. This helps me to start my day in a better frame of mind. And finally, I try to always get a shower and get dressed in something that makes me feel great. I have found that it is so amazing the difference that happens when I get a shower and get dressed in clothes that make me feel great. I'm much more productive and energetic, and I'm amazed at just how much happier I am. I know it might seem weird, but try it and it might work for you too. Now, I don't always get to each of these every day, but most days, these are the things I try to do in the beginning of the day to start my day off on a great foot. And I hope that was helpful and encouraging, Liz. As always, if you have any questions on a topic that you'd love for me to answer on a future episode, you can email it to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.